Between never-ending laundry cycles and incoming emails, you've got plenty on your to-do list. Give yourself one less thing to worry about and let DoorDash take care of your next meal. DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right now, right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local restaurant, and your food will be left at your door. DoorDash deliveries are now contactless to keep communities we operate in safe. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BIRDS. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BIRDS. Don't forget, that's code BIRDS for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. mother it's time for another episode of birds with friends just a trio of feathery brethren weathering any season to see the eagles eating teams like scrammy's top with cheese it's philadelphia bo shield and zach kicking it cooler than three penguins till zach runs off with his valet keys he's a real nuanced goose pull up a branch get loose it's time for some juice on some birds with friends the early bird gets the worm but prefers getting turned like a turn on some birds with friends bo shield and zach coming at you with steps and things flapping their wings on birds with friends all i know is zach said he has a game where he'll don't read both seven thousand and i said i'm in let's go let's do it and so yeah that's what i really what i needed was not to get at least one more reader Hello and welcome to a Wednesday night edition of Birds with Friends. I am Sheil Kapadia, joined by Zach Berman, producer Marissa Morris, and Bo Wolf will be joining us shortly. Zach, now I get to ask you, uh, how, how are you doing? And, and you can't say you're excited for this podcast. You got to give me something else. I'm doing well. I was going to say I'm excited for this podcast, but uh, something else. Um, happy football's back. It's It's been uh, a lot of discussion for months about whether or not it would happen and i gotta tell you thursday and sunday and monday uh, it it seemed there were there were differences but it seemed like football was back it has been fun my body's not used to it yesterday like last night i was feeling like knocked out fatigued i had to i had to pull a z-berm the doug peterson COVID night i like you know <laughs> i didn't take any substances like you did but i i hit the hit the sack early Got up early, felt fresh, and got some work done. Uh, work done this morning. So I saw I, your tweet that the the Monday night doubleheader will make you feel like ten beers the next day. Uh, that's, uh, yeah, that's a big number right there. Yeah, there are a couple things when, when you get to be my age. If you stay up past, at least this is for me. This might not be for everybody, but if I stay up past midnight, like even if I'm getting seven hours of sleep, I wake up the next day with like a headache or uh, I've said this before, if I'm having like ice cream late at night or, you know, some sugary treat or something like that, that, you know, the body's not used to late at night, same thing. I wake up the next day, not feeling good. So, you know, th this is what it's like to, uh, to get old, you know, you, you, Marissa, Bo to Bo to an extent, you guys are younger than me. You don't have to worry about this. And 
this is one other thing you get when you're old. I got this the other day, Zach, where someone says like, uh, Sheil, how you been? You look good. You know? And there's like a little, <laughs> like no one ever said that to me the first 36 years of my yeah, life. You look good part. Yeah. Yes. Oh, you look good. Like they're kind of surprised you're still standing. Yeah. You, you know, you're, you don't have like huge bags under your eyes, all those different types of things. So, uh, anyway, uh, we can do a whole segment on me being old, uh, every week if we want to, but we've got a lot to get to because I have not, uh, really given any thoughts. I feel like on the Eagles, week one opener to the Washington football team. I listened to your guys' post-game pod. Uh, I watched the game. I, I re-watched some of it, uh, a lot of it, earlier today because the All-22 wasn't out. Uh, and I, I certainly have some thoughts. So we've got a lot to get to. We're going to get to news with our newsman, Zach Berman. We're going to do a little segment, Zach. I thought, you know, I was, I was writing down notes for the game, and I thought, I really don't know how I feel about this team, this organization, how much stock to put into that game on Sunday. So we're going to do a segment where I give you a kind of a big overreaction and a big underreaction. Not, not anything crazy filled with hyperbole, but things that you know I actually believe little parts of. And then I need you and Bo to tell me what's real, what's not, where you stand with some of the things uh, that I said there. We'll get to some leftovers uh, from the game, uh, you know, from rewatching it, from some of the stuff that has come out in the past few days. And then uh, we'll see if we get to our mailbag segment tonight or if we save that for Friday. So, Zach, let's, uh, let's start it off with you. You heard from uh, Doug Peterson, some different players. You've heard from Jim Schwartz. What are, the, uh, what are the headlines on this Wednesday before the Eagles take on the Rams? Hello, everybody. <laughs> Oh, he didn't miss anything. <laughs> wow, what an entrance. Let's do that every time. That was, so, that was the most exciting part of my day right there. Uh, all right, Zach, take it away. <laughs> Welcome, Bo. It's, it's, it's good to have you on here. Uh, I think the, the big news, if you will, needs to be the injuries right now uh, because it, it, it is a major topic. You, you saw how undermanned they were. Derek Barnett, Lane Johnson, and Miles Sanders were all full participants in practice today. First time they've been full since their injuries. So I, I know there was kind of that, that skepticism coming out of the game that we'll have to see it before we believe it in terms of them playing. I think the fact that they were full participants in practice shows that, that, that these three are in line to play. The other big well. news... I mean, I would think so too, but uh, you know, I, I still do need to see it before I believe sure. it. Don't you? Sure. I would yes, say but... uh, I actually think that the one that's still uh, I'm not. I would say the one I'm least confident about playing is still Miles Sanders. Oh, interesting. Really, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say Barnett. Of the... I think Barnett's playing. Okay. Um, although I guess like if Graham clears the concussion protocol then maybe they don't need to push him quite so much. But just the way that he was like going about things today looked to me like a guy who was going to play. My sense was that Sanders' injury was the type of thing that if, if last week was a playoff game, he would have been out there. Hmm. Um, yeah, well, it was, only the, it was only a division rival. And, so and they, they really missed him. Uh, <laughs> now, now, limited in practice, Javon Hargrave. That's important because yeah. it was the first time Javon Hargrave has practiced with the team. So you see 93 out there and you say, did they re-sign Tim Jernigan? No, that, that is Javon Hargrave. Well, can that I tell you my... me in that, uh, in that draft, what was that weird draft we did? I, we, they should have re-signed Tim Jernigan. That would have helped me out, I think. Uh, I think you still would have uh, lost, but the flu world order, yeah, he would have. I think you had him a little bit higher. Uh, you, know what my, you know what my Javon Hargrave take was, Zach? I think I said this before, but it was even more glaring watching him in pads next to other guys. 
Yeah. He's he's got a real camp body body. Like <laughs> a camp body body? Yeah. What does that mean? It means like he's he does not Unimpressive. look like Yeah, like he's he's uh short you know, a little doughy. Well, short to relative term. Though. <laughs> well, I know, but like he looks like uh, a little doughy. Well, <laughs> yeah, both but coming not, in hot, but not in thirteen like million a, dollar a year defensive yeah. tackle. Well, not even in like a fun, um, like uh, Gilbert Brown or uh, Mike like, Patterson. Yeah, like it's it's just sort of like an oddly put together body. But you know, I, I'm excited to see him in action. You know, I've I've been told I have an oddly uh, put together body. So uh, I mean, yeah. If you, me a, if you told me I had a camp body player. body, I would take that as a as a massive compliment. You know, I don't th- I don't think I've ever told this on the uh, on the podcast. Uh, it's a bit of an embarrassing story, but you know what? That yeah. that that's what we're here for. When I was uh, when I was growing up and went to the uh, pediatrician, I know my fellow <laughs> sports sports Indians will know that uh, you know if if you have uh, a sort of first generation. Uh, you know, if your parents were uh, Indian immigrants, you're probably going to an Indian pediatrician uh, when you were growing up, if you could find one. So uh, I went to the pediatrician. I don't know. I must have been, I don't even know, maybe like 11, 11 years old. And she goes, <laughs> she goes, you have a typical Indian man's build, skinny <laughs> arms, skinny legs, and a big belly. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell? I'm like, I'm 11 years old. <laughs> about to hit puberty and you're hitting me with that i know she's just crushing you for just crushing me with that Um, one side comment she's ruined like eight years of your life body image issues your whole (laughs) life you run home you start doing sit-ups you're embarrassed to take your shirt off when you're changing for gym class uh so any pediatricians (laughs) listening if you have uh if you have a young Indian patients, yeah, be nice to all your patients, but especially That's very funny. young Indians. She right. motivated you to make the uh, varsity tennis team. Well, I guess that's uh, that's one way to look at it. <laughs> all right. Sorry, Zach. Yeah, that was no, no problem. That was a fun discussion. Uh, Jason Peters was limited today with a knee injury. Uh, I have no way of knowing whether this is something that to be concerned about or if this is just the typical Jason Peters. He probably just walked into Doug's office this morning and said, I'm not practicing today. Yeah, not going to give me $10,000. <laughs> Make me a captain, right? Um, <laughs> Unless you pay me more money, I'm not practicing today. <laughs> and then uh, uh, Deshaun Jackson had a rest day today. So they he, he had, what, 50-odd snaps the other day or 50 yeah. percent of snaps uh they didn't practice monday or tuesday and come wednesday doug peterson gives Deshaun and fletcher cox rest days so uh, yeah they both earned it fletcher cox was a real monster against washington <laughs> he deserves a day off <laughs> neither one of those guys were on the field uh or were were participants in, in practice on wednesday there was a weird thing um that i was not paying all that much attention to but it kept coming across my feed with Deshaun Jackson's mom talking about like uh, this is like a Rodman, like making the reference to the last dance and how this is like sort of like a Rodman thing. Like he's just getting a day off. I didn't really follow the whole thing, but oh, it seems kind of odd. So to me. is he in Vegas? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like he did he go to AC to like throw some dice? Like he deserves that? I don't know. You guys need to, sounds like you need to go do some reporting on this. <laughs> sounds like it could. Well, I was wondering, I mean, is rest day? In season, I, I couldn't remember if this is typical or not typical. I mean, um, it's it's ahead. not atypical for certain players like uh, Brian Westbrook, for instance. Right. They always kind of managed him throughout the week. Um, 
perhaps that's what they're doing with with Deshaun. I think the curiosity is, is he injured? Because Deshaun says he's not injured. This, the snaps were on the low side for a number one wide receiver. Doug Peterson says that they're kind of managing him, trying to get him through the year. But um, you've got to think that that more than 50% of the snaps is is like the, 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 the right way to go for Deshaun. I don't know. I, 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 like of all the um, like weird injury things, I actually sort of believe them on Deshaun. Like, like if I think it makes sense to be trying to have Deshaun on a pitch count so you, that you can have him last through most of the season. I don't think I don't, it's a, yeah, I agree that I don't think it's a bad idea if that's what they were doing. Uh, but I don't know, given what they've sort of the yeah. way they've handled a lot of this, I'm still going to have a little, uh, you know, a, a little grain of doubt yeah, that that's what it is. Burma, what else you got? Yeah, so those are the big injury items. And then in terms of the team itself, Nate Herbig seems like they're they're going to keep him at right guard. So you're you're looking at Herbig as your starting right guard, which 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 is fine. But it well, it, it goes back it goes back to something I I've been saying and I've been writing. They really wasted training camp, in my opinion. Yeah. Like like first off, they they had a two week period where they were there were no they did this whole Jason Peters dance, keeping Jason Peters at right guard. And that's literally the two weeks before the season starts. Um, but beyond that, uh, I mean, the amount of time they invested in Matt Pryor, the amount of time they invested in, in, in Jordan Maialata, and then just to determine the week before the season that neither one of those guys are the guys you're going with, I just think that they could have allocated more time to Herbig and, and Driscoll if the disparity was such that that's, that's how they were going to go week one. What, what in the world is, go, what is going on with Matt Pryor? The, it is so bizarre. Like, not only does he get leapfrogged for right guard by Herbig and right ta- and backup right tackle by Driscoll and then backup backup right tackle by Jordan Mailata in the game, he like they then uh, uh, promote Sua Opeta and sign Jamon Brown. Yes. Like, I mean, I don't why is he still on the roster? It's a great cry. Yeah, it's I a mean, they have, and what and really like what happened in the week between the end of training camp and the start of the regular season. Like it, it must have been, it was like the reverse Peters, like uh, Doug Peterson walked into his office and said, give me all your money. Like, I don't know what's going on. It's so bizarre. They have more guards on this roster than cornerbacks right now. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's a nice, that's a nice nugget right there. Yeah, uh, yeah I don't understand. It. I mean, this is a guy who played last year. Uh, you know, when Brandon Brooks goes down, the organization is leaking to all their uh, media cronies that, you know, Matt Pryor's going to be, you know, Zach was calling him out for it at the time that let's not put uh, Matt Pryor in the Hall of Fame quite yet. And that was a, a very good take uh, by Zach. But I mean, coaches are not in the business of wasting practice reps. And yeah. so if he, he was out there with the first team and he looked like the replacement, I don't know what happened. I mean, is it he hasn't been on any injury reports, right? This isn't injury related. No, no. and he was active for the game. He was active, like, but he didn't play. I, I don't know. I mean, they just saw him and thought this guy. Yeah, it's like you said. I mean, if you got to that point where in his second year you put him through training camp, you had him with the first team, you had expectations, and then he fell so far that you felt like you couldn't even play him. Uh, I don't know what's going on there. It does seem very it's strange. It's really bizarre. 
And they're like incredulous at, at the idea that they would be asked about this. <laughs> right, yeah. But that's like any anything that you want to ask about, you must be ridiculous for even asking about. Yeah. What do you what do you mean? What do you mean of of course we can't call uh you know design rollouts when we're when it's second and long? What are you nuts? Watch the tape. <laughs> I wish I wish that I could explain this to you. Well, okay, explain it to us. Uh yeah, he said I I, I wish you guys could watch film with me. And, 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 and she, on, on Monday, I asked him about the discussion we just had, like, uh, uh, should you have, have given these guys more first team snaps during training camp? Right. And Doug's like, well, you didn't have the luxury of being at all the practices. You only <laughs> saw the padded practices. So, but, but in the practices, you weren't there. We did have these guys there. So basically what he was saying was like the two weeks before training camp started, they were going with Jack Driscoll and Nate Herbig. And then there was yeah, two weeks right before like, the season where where we're allowed to watch and they're in pads. And this is ostensibly your training camp. And those are the practices where they're not going to allocate those those reps to these guys. So, uh, I mean, listen, I, I watch the I, every day we're there, even when it's, an, uh, you know, it's a 15 minute window. I'm watching the offensive line to see who's lining up where. And they didn't switch from Herbig to Pryor until the Wednesday before the game. Mm-hmm. From Pryor to Herbig. From prior to Herbie, the yeah, Thursday, yeah. right? It was. It was, was it the Thursday? It was yeah. the Thursday session. Because, yeah, yeah, the Thursday session. Yeah, so. it was a notable switch. Like, what? Um, what happened? There has to question. be. There has to be some story. I don't uh, know. It's weird. So yeah. So so Nate Herbig is your right guard. Well, I'm interested to hear what what Shield has to say. What of what, what he thought of the offensive line because I do I do have some takes. That's going to be in our uh, third segment leftovers okay. from the game. Got it. So, so those are, are really the big topics. And then there's some off, off the field topics. Um, I thought Malik Jackson was interesting today talking about yeah. uh, the anthem and, and, and the whole pregame machinations. Bo, do you want to uh, fill everyone in on that? Sure. Well, I thought the most interesting thing he said was, and, and, I, and I will preface this by saying, um, you know, he was wearing a uh, Make America and then with Great Again um, crossed out, said uh, arrest Brianna Taylor, arrest the – officers who killed Brianna Taylor. Um, and then he closed the, his statements like after, you know, the, the media, the public relations person had been like, okay, this is enough. Uh, he, he stayed on to say that, uh, you know, he was calling on, he thought it was good that Brianna Taylor's family is getting money, but he was calling on, um, you know, he doesn't think it, you know, those, those payments should be made by taxpayers. They should, you know, come out of the, uh, police budget because they're the ones who are doing something wrong. Um, and he also called on owners to, uh, I believe he said, stop hiding behind the shield um, and like be doing more individually like Jeffrey Lurie, he said. And he said Lurie was doing a good job. And he also, he made a point of mentioning, uh, you know, he wants to see more uh, black people hired by owners, like in, in leadership positions, which obviously makes sense. But uh, on the Anthem front, what I thought was very interesting was he said, you know, they had been talking about their social justice committee trying to come up with a good, uh, you know, statement to make. And what they wanted to do was do what they've been doing in the, in the Premier League, which is everybody on the field uh, taking a knee at the beginning of the game. So it would have been, you know, before the opening kickoff, everybody on the field taking a knee before the kickoff. And they went to Washington and proposed that. And for whatever reason, Washington said no. Hmm. And then I also saw one of you tweet that there was a, a follow-up question about what did Jeffrey Lurie say about their lack of mm-hmm. – uh, 
black people yes. in their front office and he said he had to go right? yeah or, yeah he well, said yeah it was basically yes. like uh you almost got me good try but yeah and, was it a really good follow-up perfectly valid McClain? yeah yep. perfectly valid great question yeah valid question and and it's 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 also worthwhile to point out that when you're talking about coordinators uh, the eagles i don't believe have have had a a black offensive or defense well well they had uh todd bowles um, in 2012, but other than that, um, you have to go back uh, to Emmett Thomas when Ray Rhodes mm-hmm. was there. Now it's, it's. And I think you can also you can also fairly say that the, you know they had Andrew Barry in a in a high ranking role yes. last year. Yes, and and uh, and Juan Castillo, um, uh, who's 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 not black, but he is a, a minority, was was uh, the the defensive coordinator as, as well in, in 2011 and 2012. You know the the Juan Castillo thing. It really would have been like a. Uh, it's too bad that it was Juan Castillo that they did that with and not like, you know, Steve Belichick or something. Cause it would have been the perfect move to do for like a, you know, a, a fail son, you know, giving him that opportunity. Steve Belichick as the offensive, as the defensive coordinator there would have been really interesting. He was probably like 16 years old or something. So that well, that's be- what I mean. Like Bella, like it would be the kind of thing <laughs> I know where what like, you're saying. if Belichick had made that move, like he's going to turn, you know, Steve Belichick into the OC all of a sudden. Yes. Anyways, okay. uh, yeah. So uh, that uh, uh, those are the, are the are the updates from Novacare today. Okay. Uh, shall we get to my second segment here, or or Bo, do you have anything else to add from the Novacare sessions? Well, I just want to make sure I didn't miss the uh, U.S. Open discussion. No. So we have. So we're going to do this uh, sort of half baked segment that I put together, which I, okay. I don't really know. Um, you know what's going to come of it, but uh, we'll see what happens. How about let's uh, call it half beaked. Okay, it's it's an overreaction, underreaction, and then we're going to talk about leftovers from the game. And then if we have time, we will get to the questions. If we don't, we'll just do your golf picks. But uh, there will be a okay. there will be a question in there from Shield from Media. Who are we gambling on in the U.S. Open uh, this week? So you can, got it. Uh, you can uh, you can think of that. Uh, okay, let's get to this segment. So basically, I was going through the game. I was thinking about the organization. As I was telling Zach, I haven't really feel like I haven't offered any opinion about what happened on Sunday yet. And I was sort of being pulled in two different directions. And I thought, well, you know, I believe like a lot of little morsels in these thoughts that are in my head, but I don't know what I feel most strongly about uh, and, and what's going to come of this and what's real and what's not. So I thought I would give you guys both the takes because I think there are two sides about how to react to what happened on Sunday and the start of the Eagle season. You guys can tell me what you think is valid, what's not valid, and then uh, what side you come down on and, and tell me if I missed any points and obviously react to it. How does that sound? Sounds good. Are there, there are like several. Zach's, uh, Zach's just like asleep. Uh, so no, no, no. I'm, oh, okay. <laughs> are there is there's one overreaction and one underreaction, or there yeah, are several of each? Yeah, but it's it's not like okay. one sentence. It's going to be like a little bit of a take here. Oh, okay, gotcha. Okay, all right. So here here's the the overreaction. Okay, uh, I wrote down some notes, but you know I'll try, I'll try to just wing it here. So Sunday was the start of what is going to be a nightmarish and franchise altering season for the Philadelphia Eagles. And, and the problem is that fans cannot bring themselves to accept the fact that Carson Wentz may not be who they thought he was. You know, it's like you have that vision of 2017 in your head. And now we are three years later and you keep trying to get back to it. You keep trying to get back to it. First, the excuses, the wide receivers aren't good enough. Then it's the offensive line is injured. Then it's the offense. You know, the coaches aren't putting him in position to succeed. Uh, 
but maybe he's just not going to be that guy again. I mean, this is somebody who since the start of 2017 has fumbled more than any quarterback, any player in the NFL. And Sunday was just a reminder that like, there's no evidence that this guy is improving as a player. I mean, you see him recklessly try to escape the pocket with one hand on the football and fumble. You see him in a bot screen pass, just like we saw in the playoffs last year against Seattle. Instead of throwing the ball at the running back's feet, he tries to make a play. He takes another sack there. His accuracy is all over the place, and we all know the durability questions uh, from the past. And this is year five. It's not year two. Like These things should have been corrected by now. And I don't know where the confidence comes from that they're going to be corrected at this stage in, in his career if they haven't been uh, been corrected already. So, you know, there's a situation where at one point you thought Wentz's like best case scenario is Aaron Rodgers, but maybe his best case scenario is going to be like a Matthew Stafford. Um, Oof. It's not just Wentz. Uh, you know, this organization, like think if you were viewing this organization from afar. I mean, consider how the year started, right? The head, a Super Bowl winning head coach states publicly who he wants on his coaching staff 24 hours later after a meeting with his bosses, totally reverses course. All of a sudden he's firing guys. He's replacing his staff. He's getting edicts to bring in new ideas, all these different types of things. In April, uh, Howie Roseman tells the city that he wants to build a quarterback factory. I mean, I, you guys didn't cover it in the post-game pod, but I mean, Jalen Hurts and that Taysom Hill package I thought was outstanding uh, <laughs> uh, on Sunday. I mean, I was really impressed what they were able to do with the shortened offseason. The quarterback that they drafted was not even active for the first game of the season in one of the most puzzling picks in recent memory in August. You have a, you have a veteran player walking into the coach's office saying that he's willing to switch positions. Like, since when is that how it worked, that a guy has to go No, in? take out willing, by the way. Okay, then what is he the, just, what's the he's one? switching positions. Yeah. He's switching positions, he's, okay. He's, he's, he's telling, telling him, yes. him that he's switching positions, and then later we find out that he got a financial bump to do so. Over the weekend, we find out that days before the opener, your Super Bowl hero, tight end, the guy who, who's done everything right for this organization – got into a heated exchange, according to NFL Network, with the general manager at the practice facility. I mean, put all those things together. I didn't even mention Deshaun Jackson's uh, anti-Semitic comments. I didn't even mention the con consistent controversy with this medical staff being turned over year after year and still no results. Like, are these the signs of a healthy organization or did they just benefit from a cake schedule, a terrible division the last two years. They go nine and seven, and then they open this season. They get out coached by Jack freaking Del Rio. Mm. They fail to score more than 17 points against the defense that has Ronald Darby starting at quarterback. This could just be the start of what is going to be a disastrous three-month season that is going to involve more of the same and result in organizational change in 2021. That is my overreaction. I see. So I see what the segment is now. It is a flock trial with yourself. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. I knew it felt yeah. familiar. All yeah. right. So let me give you the quick underreaction and then you can let me know what you think of all of it. Should oh, I do okay. that? Or do you want to respond to the overreaction? But I, uh, I feel like you shouldn't respond to the overreaction because I might make those points in the underreaction. Okay. Well, no, okay. I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't disagree with the overreaction. In, okay. I would, I would also, I, here's what I would do. Uh, I would say, you want to add to the overreaction? 
Well, yeah, maybe some other points that could that okay. could buttress. Yeah, what you're do saying. that. Do that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, listen, we have talked about uh, they. This is an organization that has, uh, you know, at every turn here, turned their nose at the future and kept trading away future picks, future picks, and uh, it, they are not running things like a smart organization does. Even in the Darius Slay trade, you're you're saying that you're overturning the roster getting rid of the older players and you trade a, th- a third and a fifth for a 29 year old and sure he had a good game the other day, but you saw how much that mattered. Um, and this is a team that has whiffed on a ton of draft picks at the top of the draft. They are getting nothing right now from their first round pick last year. One of their two second round picks last year, their second round pick this year. And uh, it's like, this is not how sustainability is built in the NFL, the way that they are going about things. Okay. Yeah. So I, I, I would just add to that. And I, I want to hear the underreaction part to it too, because I, I, I do think one game is, uh, is too small of a sample size, but the, the things you read off there are legitimate. And in the past, there's been a lot from the outside that, that the team has, has, has used as kind of a rallying cry or, or, or that they have, have used as, as motivation but the reality is that that like ships don't usually sink because of well ships don't sink because of the water around them they sink because of the water that's in them you know mm. uh, these things usually happen from within and what you mentioned there the, the whole thing you read that that's not what what we're saying that's not uh, something Mike Lombardi says before week one in 2017 um, that's all stuff from within that they've created. Uh, so I think that uh, it's something to really pay attention to because all these issues now, these aren't things that, that were inflating. These are things that, that, that they're bringing onto themselves. Okay. All right. Here's the underreaction. Where did all these novice Eagles fans come from? I mean, give me a break. Have you never seen this team deliver a clunker in the season opener. It was one freaking game. I mean, one game where they were without Lane Johnson, they're without Miles Sanders. Can we all just sit back, take a breath? It's a 16-game season. Seven teams get into the playoffs from the NFC. It's going to be okay. All right, Darius Slay looks fantastic. Shut down Terry McLaurin for most of the game. Malik Jackson was the monster that Zach has been telling us he was going to be for the better part of two years. Those are positive signs. The offensive showing was a disaster. Sure, but stylistically, this is what we've been waiting for. Carson Wentz chucking the ball downfield, a ton of play action. Uh, they had the most pass-heavy script in the entire NFL. Jalen Rager, how about the way he tracked that ball on the 55-yarder? Dallas Goddard, I mean, this guy might be one of the five best tight, tight ends in the NFL right now. It was one bad half for Carson Wentz and a, an offensive line that was playing with young, inexperienced guys who are finding their bearings. You have an offensive line coach and Jeff Stoutland who has earned the benefit of the doubt. These guys are going to get better week after week. This is going to be a good thing in the long run. Just flush the loss and move on. And then look at the division. I mean, give me a break. The Cowboys go out, the most hyped team in the NFC. They lose on Sunday night to, to Bo's boy, Sean McVay and the Rams. They're a mess. The infrastructure here, Doug Peterson, Jim Schwartz, Carson Wentz, these guys have earned the benefit of the doubt. You get Lane Johnson back. You get Miles Sanders back. You beat the Rams on Sunday. A week from now, we're talking about how silly it was to panic after one bad half of football. All right. 
So those are the two. Which side do you land on? What do you feel is like legit? What do you feel like is nonsense uh, uh, about those two takes? Zach, you go first. I think you outlined both of them well, and I, I think both have legitimate arguments. I, I don't overreact to one game. I, it's, it's a tired analogy, but, you know, one-sixteenth of a football season is, is like five games in the NBA season, and, and, and you're not picking your champion after five games. Uh, that being said, I, I said going into the year that I thought this team was like a, a nine-win team, and – uh, they didn't have a, a great margin for error. And I, I think there were holes that, that, that they didn't see, but that are apparent. And, and so uh, I, I guess between those two, if there's a meter, I would lean t- closer toward the overreaction side of it. Mm. Um, but maybe like 60, 40, you know, I, I'm not okay. completely one way or the other. Okay. I think um, I was certainly, you know, both 99. I was was certainly more swayed by the overreaction. And I think you could tell that your heart was more in it um, on the overreaction. It's more fun to do. Yeah. Of course it is. It's more fun to do. Uh, I think the, the, you know, the, the relevant points, I think the most troubling point is that, uh, you know, this is year five and it doesn't seem like, uh, like Carson Wentz is making that leap. And, you know, it, it was only one bad half, but the things, and as you talked about, the things that he has struggled with, he is still struggling with. And that's not great. And so, like, the, the hope that he, that he would turn into Aaron Rodgers is, you know, I'm not saying it's out the window, but it's a real, it's a real concern that he is going to be maybe just a, you know, top third of the league quarterback and not a, you know, top five quarterback. And he's not good enough to, uh, you know, single-handedly make up for, you know, weak position groups elsewhere on the offense. Uh, I think that that matters. And again, you know, it was only one half, but and he certainly he looked very good in the first in the first half. Um, but I think the like the structural things are a real concern. And and the the things you talked about, like the, that this, like the, the it has the makings. If you're like designing a disaster season. It starts with a terrible offensive line. It starts with infighting in the front office, which, mm. you know, you have the seeds for given the, you know, the acrimony over the coaching staff and also between the players in the front office, that's already bubbled up before the season even started. Like, um, I don't like t- the talent wise, this team should be a, a nine win team, but uh, like, I think there is a real chance that it's a disaster season. And I, you know, I felt that before the season and I, I, I didn't pull the trigger on calling it because I still believed in the quarterback and the coach, but the other I thought thing you said, did a little bit, I mean, you, you thought it was realistic that they would finish third yeah. in the division. Uh, I did not feel that that was realistic. And then, so you, you know, we, we could read between the lines and what you were thinking there. And the other, oh, reason- I found it ironic that now all of a sudden you care about the offensive line. <laughs> <laughs> what is- That's a good. That's a good drop. I like that. Uh, listen, I drafted offensive lineman first overall both times. True, true, true. That's true. That that yeah. was kind of the version of uh, kind of the version of a both team that we saw Sunday. You had the you had all the weapons were healthy, uh, except it was missing Lane Johnson or prime Jason Peters. 
Oh yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, that see, Zach, this is what I told you, Zach. If you would have loaded up on the offensive line, right, you, you could have used that. But all right, sorry, go ahead. Uh, my no, my last point is that is is the the other reason that I I think it's fair to lean towards the overreaction is that even in the underreaction, you're selling like you know this team this team still very well could win a bad division like that's already been done before it, it that does nothing for me like is is winning the nfc east at nine and seven and going out in the first round a good result for the eagles at this stage of their cycle no well well i i would say normally i would say no and if they played in the afc i would say no but man look at the landscape of the nfc it is wide open i mean i didn't i didn't watch a team on sunday and then factoring in off-season expectations and look at a team and say they're the favorites. I, I mean, you look at the the Saints beat the Bucks. I mean, Drew Brees looked like he's looked in playoff games. I mean, that offense. Sean Payton called it the worst game he's ever called in his life. That was, uh, yeah. you know, they won and that's great, but that's unimpressive. The Packers looked great. It's funny but- that that's the worst game he's ever called in his life, given all their their <laughs> their, their their high profile playoff losses. That's, that's true. They only scored twenty four points. Yeah. It's like the, the reverse. Seahawks it's like it's like the re- it's like the reverse this, Patricia. Yes. Yes. The Seahawks did look uh, very good. And if they were, if they're actually going to change into the let Russ cook offense, then I think Zach's uh, preseason prediction. And I had him in the NFC championship game could be good. Jamal Adams looked fantastic in that game. They were using him uh, all over the place, but the Cowboys didn't look good. The Vikings looked terrible. The Packers are wait and see the 49ers had a disappointing loss. And so you just sort of look around and, you know, there is a scenario where there's like a nine or 10 win team this year that is peaking at the right time. I know that first round buy is going to be huge for whoever gets it. Um, But it's sort of a weird season like that, where I could see Eagles fans, even if they start out really, really poorly in the first four five, six games, there's always probably going to be that little bit of hope that they can get it together. Okay. All right. Now, what do you, how do you, what, what did you feel in your heart? I don't know. I mean, this is why I was, you know, well, split personality. I like it. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm very indecisive on all things. You never <laughs> want to, you, you know this. Yeah. Don't ask me where are we going to eat. Oh, it's a great, it's a great gig to I mean, be able to, yeah. to, to give both sides and not actually believe in one. Yeah. Don't, don't You're ask be me, right should, should we do one more beer or leave? I mean, I, I can never, I, I can be talked into anything I've said forever. <laughs> you give into peer pressure. It's a lot easier to go through life that way than actually, um, you know, kind of holding your ground. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I'm struggling with the Wentz thing. Let's save this because I want to talk about the game. Okay. So uh, I'm struggling with the Wentz thing uh, to, to a certain degree here about what this guy is, the state of quarterbacking in the NFL, why he look, still look, has the same bad habits, all those different types of things. But let's, let's save that for the next segment after uh, Zebram and I uh, give you a word from our sponsors. Interest rates have hit record lows. I actually, I, I got a, a, uh, an alert on my phone earlier about the Fed keeping the interest rates low in, uh, until, what, 2021, mm. 2023? I mean, for the markets. Um, but it, it means it's, it's a great time to refinance your student loans and see if you can lower your monthly payment. If you've been making the same monthly payment on your student loans for the last couple of years, odds are you could reduce your payment and save by refinancing with earnest. Even if you've even if you've refinanced before, with today's low rate environment, most people could save by refinancing. Again, checking your, your new rate is fast and easy. 
to start, complete a few questions online. It only takes two minutes. Then you'll get a, a personalized rate estimate without affecting your credit score. And now you can get $100 cash bonus when you refinance a student loan with earnest.com slash birds. Once again, you can get a $100 cash bonus when you refi your student loan at earnest.com slash birds. It's not available in all states, but just visit earnest.com slash birds for more details. Terms and conditions apply. Earnest student loan refinance loans are made by Earnest Operations LLC NMLS number 1204917, California Finance Law License, a number 6054788. It's at 303 Second Street Suite 401 in San Francisco, California, 94107. Visit earnest.com slash licenses for a full list of licensed states. And as Zebram was telling us, it was nice to have football back over the weekend. And it was only week one. There's no better place to get in on all of the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. To add to the excitement of week two, and also don't forget Bo's U.S. Open picks later, DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing back their can't-miss offer. If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, Head to the App Store now because you don't want to miss this. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users the chance to turn $1 into $100 when they bet on any team. That's right. You can place a $1 bet on any team. And if that team wins, you cash a cool Benjamin. How could you pass that up? If you're new to DraftKings Sportsbook, Head to the app now to scout their latest offers. Bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, a sportsbook app that goes wherever you go. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. I was just on the app earlier as I was writing my picks against the spread column for this week. Very easy to use. The lines are updated. It's fantastic. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TOSS when you sign up to get this can't-miss offer. Pick any team during week two, bet $1 on them, and win $100 if they win. That's $1 to win $100 when you use promo code TOSS during sign-up for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Pennsylvania only, in partnership with Meadows Racetrack and Casino. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call one 800 Gambler. Okay. So as I was doing that read, I was thinking about which side I lean on. I think I'm going to lead towards the underreaction. I mean, if I had them at nine and seven making the playoffs a week ago, I feel like I should not have that recency bias and be changing my opinion right away. They still have the infrastructure. They have the coach. They have the quarterback. They have the defensive coordinator. You saw some of the new pieces look good on defense. And so uh, I think I will lean towards the underreaction, although, yes, I can absolutely see the other scenario. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they're they're getting, like, important players back. Yeah. Uh, it, this was, like, the first game of a very weird season. What What is so I, – I think it would be easier to swallow if uh, they had just played a stinker the whole game. And mm-hmm. it was like you, you could just sort of write it off. What, what, is so, what was so bizarre was that they looked so good and then fell apart. Yeah, and I was a really bad team they were playing. And it was a terrible team. Yeah, I mean, like this, this puffing of the chest um, from the football team is very funny. Uh, like, it's nice that they won a game, but that team stinks. 
that's one of the worst offenses I've ever seen. I mean, that was really bad. It's one of the five worst teams in, in the league. And yeah, that, that's why, that's why it was really uh, so bad. But yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I'm watching it. You know, I had it on one screen. I had uh, red zone on uh, on another TV and I'm watching them go down the field and I'm watching Malik Jackson early on. And I'm like, Man, yeah. maybe, maybe we under did we underrate this team? They look really, really and that, good. Like that first drive was like oh. exactly what we thought was coming. It was yeah. like it was beautifully executed. It was like, I mean, it was perfect. Uh, and yeah. then like for them to like completely fall apart, and it really, I mean, it was on the quarterback. It was all right. So let, let's get to it. Let's get to some leftovers from the game. I know you guys gave your well, thoughts. Now what, 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 how have you been watching? The, the All-22 is still not up, correct? Yeah, well, I've been piecing together the key oh, plays nice. from a okay. number of different uh, Twitter accounts, including Shout out to uh, Fran Duffy. Difa, Fran Duffy, yeah. some, some other uh, NFL types have gotten their hands on film. And so uh, I have not seen every play, so I will not act nice. like I, you know, I, I have these uh, uh, under-the-radar takes, but I've watched all the big plays that have been out there. And so I have, uh, I have opinions on those, but you guys obviously had to do the post game pod after being at uh, FedEx field. So I'm sure some of your opinions have changed since uh, that time. Bo, I know, why don't we start with you? You said you had some takes on the offensive line. Uh, what, what are, what are those takes? Well, um, I thought Driscoll did a good job and I talked about that right. after the game. Um, but to me, he's like the, he's the one piece of, of upside there. And it wasn't a perfect game um, and he didn't finish the game. But to me, he was the second or third best uh, offensive lineman in that game, better than Peters and better than Herbig. And I think they need to find a way to keep him in the lineup. Now, I think this week, as they wait and see what happens with Lane Johnson, they probably won't pull that trigger on moving him to right guard. I think they'll give Herbig. I think they'll give Herbig one more shot. Oh, Uh, and it's interesting because you know the stakes are high. They're already zero and one, and they're playing Aaron Donald, but. Um, I think they're going to keep him as the you know backup right tackle for now, but I think after that, like if things go very sour, I think I think Driscoll goes into the lineup. And the other thing that I think is actually it only occurred to me as I was coming home tonight: what if it's a possibility that they move Peters back to right guard and then Driscoll to left tackle? No, uh, there's no chance. Driscoll's never played left tackle before. That but he's played. He has. He's play, he played left guard. Yes, but, I don't know. But like in, in college, he was a right tackle. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's I think it's <laughs> unlikely, but it's, I don't know. What if they played Lane at left tackle and Driscoll at right tackle? I don't think they're going to do. And that. then what? Doug, Doug's going to go to Peter's locker and say, "Give me that money back." I mean, <laughs> no. yeah, well, that that ship has sailed. So okay. then I, I had the the same sentiment about Jack Driscoll. You did. I uh, as I watched the game over um because i wasn't as focused on on him during the game as you were you wrote about him obviously it's true i mean i was well yeah. because i knew that i was going to write about yeah. him i was watching him for the whole first half and 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 so watching it back i thought he acquitted himself well really of those eight sacks only one was on him and it seemed more like a a mental thing it, yeah, yeah was he, he didn't he pick let up Kerrigan he took the outside guy yeah. exactly um so uh, that's that's not necessarily him him not being able to block. So I, I I thought he held up decently. I'm curious to see what they do at right guard. If Jack Driscoll's a possibility at right guard, I don't understand why they signed Jamon mm-hmm. Brown. Um, th- that's that's like a it's a real curious move uh, because really the, the 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 reason you bring him in there that's not an upside signing. It's it's simply because he has experience and he can step in in a pinch if you need him to. 
Well, and I think you're right. It's weird because uh, if, if Driscoll's moving to guard, then you need a, another backup tackle. Mm-hmm. And Jermon Brown is not that. And yeah. I mean, you, you can't really tell me that, you know, Matt Pryor is going to be the other backup tackle right now. I guess it would be my lot and nobody else. That's why it's curious that they signed uh, two guards. But the, the other thing on Driscoll is like, if you just think about it in terms of a uh, like resource allocation, you know, he was a fourth round pick, whereas Pryor was a sixth, Mylata mm-hmm. was a seventh, and Herbig was undrafted. Like mm. that, uh, it's at least worth remembering. Yeah, and they they could uh, use some you know stories about how the rookie class is looking good, or about how this was a good draft, or they could pro- probably use some of that. No, I, I thought he was again. This is not uh, after having watched the uh, full film or anything, but uh, I would agree with you guys. It it didn't look like he was outmanned, like he couldn't handle it. You know, for the most part, it looked like he knew what he was doing. He had that bust that led to a sack, but you know, come on, it's his first NFL game. That that should be. Uh, expected there and so I, I thought it was uh it was encouraging it was a situation where all right let's see a little bit more of, of what he has let's see the coaching staff work with him a little bit more if you were able to get a you know a good backup in the fourth round that's great if you got a starter like a competent average starter in the fourth round that's good and I know Bo you've uh you know you've sort of mentioned over and over again that Howie's best work has sort of come with the offensive line has come on day three. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's been one of his strengths over the years. So, Although maybe, uh, maybe not good. quite so much now that we know that Matt Pryor is uh, <laughs> like the worst <laughs> well, player in the NFL, apparently. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. We will, uh, we will see what happens there. Um, all right. Any other takes sort of from uh, rewatching or things you've learned in, in the past couple of days from what actually happened in that game? Well, I think, I, th- I don't know if we talked about it enough on the post game show, but you, you mentioned it. Um, like, you know, there's, there was that, uh, the failed, the busted screen, not buster screen, but the busted screen where mm. Wentz should have thrown the ball away, which I think Dan Orlovsky pointed out on Twitter. Yeah. Like that was bad. And that is like, like that is precisely the type of play that you should not be having to, uh, tell a fifth year quarterback to make. Yeah, Absolutely. Make sure, I, I, I just want to chime in before she, uh, I'm sorry, before shield does make sure you, Update your athletic app uh, and 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 see the real time feature because this afternoon Shield posted uh, by my count the Eagles tried four screens two were stopped for a loss one resulted in a sack and the other gained seven yards on third and twenty you can find that at the moment on the real time app on the, yeah. the real time part of our app yeah this is an issue we've talked about in previous years like there are games where it just feels like the defense has a tell on their screen game. And if you watch that, I mean, like how often does a screen get dropped for a loss like that? I, I mean, it happened twice where the one time Landon Collins is shooting down and I forget what the other one was. Then it gets blown up and Wentz tries to run and takes a sack. And then the other one, I mean, it's, the, it's a seven yard screen to Boston Scott on third and 20. Like this is a big part of their offense. And when it's working, it's outstanding. It creates chunk plays. They have the, the misdirection. They're confusing defenses. And when it's not working, like it really hampers the offense. I mean, they really lean on it uh, to to quite a degree. Where when they have a game like that, it kind of screws up their offense in a big way. So that definitely uh, that definitely stood out to me. Uh, on the other sacks here, let's see what were uh, you mentioned the Kerrigan one. We mentioned the blown uh, screen pass. Yeah, Dan Orlovsky was all over that right away. There was um, another one where Wentz had one hand 
<clears throat> excuse me, on the on the ball and fumbled. Uh, Richard Rogers. Mm-hmm. I mean, have you? Did you watch one on the one, replay yeah. of this one? Yeah, that was ridiculous. What in the world is this guy doing? I mean, this was unbelievable. You know what he's doing? Making money, baby. That's right. He's a CTC <laughs> cashing them checks because I mean, really, what was he doing? So, so I was, uh, you know, I, I was asking Defop Coach Flynn about, uh, you know, certain plays that were uh, on Twitter earlier today, and uh, let me see what what did he he call this route? It, it was awesome. It was the I told him it was the the best uh, thing I was going to hear all day. It's called a clobber flat mm. a clobber flat so uh, his job dick rod's job there is to <laughs> is to slam the defensive end coach flynn said uh to slow down the rush and then you got to go you got to get out in your route because carson wentz was looking for him i don't know what happened there it was like he was moving in slow motion uh and so that one was certainly uh certainly on him and uh i you know that was one of the more infuriating ones when you watch it over again um, you know, there was another one where I thought Wentz certainly could have gotten rid of the ball. Boston Scott had a, a blown assignment. On they, the, the running backs did a bad job in this game. Yeah, that was a fourth down. They, I mean, they missed Miles Sanders. Yeah. Well, I mean, last year I thought Boston Scott was pretty good at that, yeah. right? I can't remember. but uh, and, and I thought Corey Clement had a, had a tough day blocking as well. Okay. I know. Um, it really was. Corey Clement, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, Matt Pryor, all these training camp darlings, just, you know, total total duds in week one. Yeah. And then uh, and then Herbig got, Herbig got smoked on one of them, and Chase Young kind of tossed Jason Peters, Wentz holds yeah, on that to was the ball. Ugly. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there, there were just a lot of bad things happening with all those sacks. And uh, I will give a shout-out to, uh, to, to listener DFOP. Eagles blog, who sort of made the point that, you know, we kind of know what Wentz is. I don't know if we want to call it, we should call it like a fatal flaw, but we know his, one of his weaknesses is he's going to miss those layups, some layups, right? Like the easy passes, short intermediate passes that should be completed. He's going to miss some of those. You can live with some of those, but like if he's, if he's also taking eight sacks in a game and holding on to the ball, like at some point it just becomes too much to be a top level quarterback when these different things are kind of showing themselves throughout the course of the game. And then also the fumbling issue, um, which I, which I mentioned earlier. So, so I, I have an opinion here on, uh, on the taking the sacks thing, uh, because it it might not be the most, the most popular or the, or the most common one. Um, I, I don't believe you can neuter Carson Wentz. Like part of what makes Carson special is his ability to extend plays. And he's, he's, he's not, Jared Goff, he he's not going to get rid of that 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 ball right away. Um, this is this is why you you want him because he can improvise because he can be creative. That being said, he needs to have the situational awareness that you can do that on certain plays, but you can't do that on a third down when you're in field goal range. Right. Um, right. You know, or, so- or or that that screen because there's nobody else on a route and the upside is like a four yard gain. So like yes. it's not worth it. Exactly. So that's where, so situational awareness is important, but I, I, I don't think that the way to coach Carson Wentz or the way to, to utilize Carson Wentz is like to make him this, this quarterback who's, who's just getting rid of the ball right away. Uh, because that's, that's not why you want him. You want him because he can do those special plays when he's in the pocket. Well, I, I certainly agree with that. I was pushing them for that last year, but you know, it, it's certainly not binary. And we look at this with all 
quarterbacks who can make plays outside of structure. It's finding that balance of when to do it, when not to do it, when's it going to hurt your team. You know, like you look at Kyler Murray on uh, Sunday and he had, you know, I was looking at up some stats and if you look at EPA on scrambles, he, he ran 13 times for 91 yards uh, and he had a higher EPA on scrambles than any quarterback in the last five years. But at the same time, if you watch that game, he's not taking crazy hits. Like I think yeah. Daniel Jeremiah, I forget what the number was, but I think, I think he was like, only hit once, right? He was hit once on those 13 runs. And so this duck under move, is it fun to watch when it works? Yeah. yeah. But how many times did you watch that Sunday and go, this guy's about to get suffer a major neck injury with this duck under move with Chase Young coming full speed at him. Like it was mm -hmm. scary when, when he's doing that move and it wasn't working at all. And so I, I do think there's a balance there. I agree with you, Zach. I don't think you want to be a coach saying take what the defense gives you. I think they've done that too much. But at the same time, the, like you have to be able to channel that into a sort of time and place type thing. And then the coaching staff has to help him. I mean, they had what he had two throws outside the pocket, I think, according to uh, the sports Agreed. info solutions numbers. And so if you're dropping back 40 plus times and you say, we want this guy to be able to capitalize on some of his athleticism and make some plays outside the pocket. And then you have two plays outside the pocket all game long. Like, what are you doing? I mean, they were calling these under center play actions, but not bootlegs where he's just turning around and he's got someone in his face and it's a complete disaster. Like the, the phase one of, you know, this play action game under Rich Scangarello was a disaster. I think three of the sacks came uh, on under center play action where he's turning his head around and somebody's about to crush him. And so, uh, yeah, so there, I mean, those, I, that's kind of a, a rant, but there were just issues all over the place. Now, Sheil, you know, you know football, but did you know, <laughs> you, you can't do that. When it's second down and seven plus. I mean, I would love to know what that explanation is. <laughs> or or on first and ten. <laughs> so uh, what I am alluding to is is Doug Peterson was specifically asked about this today, and he said he said utilizing these out of pocket throws, these movement type throws, when it's second and thirteen, he's like it just doesn't work on those plays. Um, That's his, crazy his freaking answer. Was maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. But I think you have to push the ball differently <laughs> down the field, drop back, play action, whatever it might be, screen. But you can't just listen. Everything we do, obviously, it starts with first down. And if you're not positive on first down, it now affects what you do on second down, and then and then it affects you on third down and on fourth down. Uh, so that's what Doug said. I I I've never been a football coach, but I would think that you can still roll out on second and 13. Literally makes no zero sense. Mm. I've never heard a, a coach allude to anything like that in my entire life. If somebody, if somebody can translate that for us and explain what he's talking about there, please do. I mean, that I think the I think the translation is, uh, please don't ask me football questions. You dumb, <laughs> dumb, dumb morons. I mean, <laughs> don't ask me three questions either. Correct. Okay. So, yeah, well, it's a really narrow a little bit. Or I guess really maybe don't, don't don't ask questions that that uh you know imply in any sense of any possibility that I did something wrong. Anyone want to talk about Rudy Ford? I got time. <laughs> well, Sheil, uh I think we talked about this before, but the uh the big pitch man in the company has returned. Let's let's hear what he has to say. This is the athletic Sheil Kapadia here to tell you about Liquid IV. Nobody likes to feel dehydrated. Maybe you get a little bit of a headache, dry mouth. You just don't feel like yourself. 
but believe it or not, dehydration still occurs daily in three out of four people. With Liquid IV, you have the fastest, most efficient way to stay hydrated. Each serving helps you get as much hydration as two to three bottles of water. Maybe you use it after a really intense workout. Maybe you went out socially distanced with friends and had a couple extra beers the night before. That's where Liquid IV comes in. It is healthier than those sugary sports drinks, no artificial flavors or preservatives, and less sugar than an apple. Plus, it contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, and as much potassium as a banana. And Liquid IV is on a mission to change the world. Liquid IV is donating 3.7 million servings in response to COVID-19. Products are being donated to hospitals, first responders, food banks, veterans, and active military. Liquid IV is available nationwide at Costco and Target, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code ATHLETIC at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use promo code ATHLETIC at liquidiv.com. Get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code ATHLETIC. Jared, some of the other things that stood out to me uh, from this game, let's talk about the two interceptions now having uh, watched them back. Uh, another one of these things I, I was certainly asking uh, Coach Flynn about this, and I thought he made a great point, you know, because when I was watching that, I thought, you know, should like Rager or Hightower, do they need to be able to get to that ball and break it up? And I thought he made a great point, especially on the Rager one where he said, Coach, like he's heard coaches say this before, you know, and coaches will say this to him, but when you have a speed out, like Jalen Rager's route is to, you know, break to the sideline quickly, like to then ask him to gather his momentum and come back towards the inside and break up that pass is crazy. And so, uh, you know, Coach Flynn was saying those, those balls, quarterbacks are taught, on those outbreaking routes, the ball needs to be high and outside, high and outside. Like that's the teaching point over and over again. And if you watch those passes in slow motion, they're not. They're on the inside. The corners are playing zone technique with their back to the sideline. Could Hightower have done a better job with his route? Yes. But it comes down to the ball placement by the quarterback. And I, I thought he was erratic for much of the day. I mean, did he make some a uh, couple beautiful throws? Yes. You know, Dallas Goddard, Jalen Rager. Uh, those were some great throws, but if you kind of went throw by throw throughout the entire course of the game, I thought his accuracy was all over the place, and those two uh, certainly really hurt him. Daniel Jeremiah had a, a video he posted where he was showing that you know those cornerbacks when they're playing that technique, it's zone, so their eyes are on the quarterback, and he like paused it where you could tell where Wentz is going with the ball right away, and the the corners are able to jump the routes. But even so, if he makes a better throw, they're not going to be in position to intercept those balls. So, I mean, I don't know. I know there's been probably a lot of talk in the past few days. I know Jalen Rager, Zach, you had a tweet that he kind of took some responsibility for it, and that's a good job out of him. But to me, both those interceptions are on the quarterback. And I think this is actually something that is uh, a positive if you're if you're taking a step back because – we do have enough of a sample size of Carson Wentz's career that he is not an inter interception-prone quarterback. He does a good job of not throwing interceptions. So I think you can talk yourself into this being a little bit uh, of an outlier. Well, I would slow down on that. Okay. Now, I, I think that's true. I, I would agree with that. You, have a, you do have a large sample and a lot of pass attempts. However, you know, if you look at like football outsiders, does sort of, you know, they do like the interception lock. Mm -hmm. thing where mm -hmm. you know how many interceptions did the defense drop type deal 
and he ranked, uh, I think he was one of the luckiest quarterbacks in the league last year. Uh, I think I mentioned this report, and I'll, I'll tweet it out on uh, after this podcast, that uh, Ed Fang did, uh, who, who does a podcast and, and looks into football analytics, where he thought that Carson Wentz ha- has really benefited from a lot of interception luck over the course of his career and trying to be predictive with some of the other factors you can look at. So, uh, I mean, I was with you, you know, going into the season, it has not been an issue for him at all, but there are these little morsels that say, well, maybe he has gotten a little bit lucky in that area. And that could be a real, that could be a huge problem. I mean, if his interception rate is like slightly above average, combine that with the fumbles and all of a sudden you have a a very mistake, mistake prone quarterback. So I, I could go either way on that. I mean, the eye test, I haven't watched him and thought, man, this guy throws a lot of dangerous passes and that should be intercepted a lot. But some of those like studies and other things have been at least they're they're at least worth looking at. All right. Anything okay. else you guys got from the game? Um Fletcher Cox did nothing. Yeah. Absolutely nothing. Disappointing. Uh, I, I mean, against the pass, I agree with that. All that matters. Okay. If I'm yeah. paying a guy that much yeah, money, sure. really, I mean. That's true. And, that and Washington team, doesn't have running backs yeah. either, but still. Yeah. He had a nice um, – I, 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 he had a nice stop on the goal line. It was the, it's the second down play maybe before – it was – in the, it was in the fourth quarter. He had a, a, a nice stop down there. That was the I mean, only time. I can I can find Anthony Rush to stop the run. Yeah, that was the only, no. I I yeah, agree. I was just I was just saying that's the only time I, I wrote Cox down in my notes. Okay. Uh, okay. I I mean Deshaun Jackson looks very frustrated in this game. I mean his body language after some of these throws, it's like it's week one. You know, yeah. like you're expected. Not everyone's going to be. On the same page. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, I couldn't believe, played 41% of the snaps. 19 routes, zero targets. 19 it's routes. like it's an unbelievable uh, streak that he has going of just Carson Wentz never looking his way. And I I, 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 liked, I texted this to you and Flynn. I think there should be a – it should be called a J.J. When you, when you get zero targets on however many routes run. I'd like to – I should look up what the most routes run in a game without getting targeted is over the past yeah. couple of years. Yeah, I would like to – hopefully the film will come out before – uh, Sunday's game, and I would like to at least watch his route. You know, is this a situation where Wentz doesn't trust him and didn't throw the ball to him, or was it just he he was not open the entire time? I uh, would target him over John Hightower after that game, though. Forty percent, but of the I don't know though. John Hightower. I mean, huh? but Hightower got open. Like he dropped he dropped that one pass, but he was open. I mean, he, that's more than Ortega Whiteside's ever done. The middle. Uh, he was targeted four times. One of them was an interception. One of them was a drop. One of them was a catch for negative four yards. Well, uh, that's not great. <laughs> like, I mean, he, you it's know, fair. He, yeah. he, he caught a few touchdowns during training camp. I get it. But um, I – Well, I, you can't do that and then sell me Arthago Whiteside. I'm not selling you Arthago Whiteside. I'm, I'm just saying, like – Yeah, like I mean, at this, least he provided some speed and move and changed yeah. the shape of the defense a little bit. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah I, mean, we, I, I thought Jalen Rager was good. He, he, I, now, he only had one catch. But, and um, it should have been – I mean, he said he slowed down just yeah. a second in that other in that other bomb at the end of the first half. It should have been a completion. That was a good throw by Wentz. But you can see he, the explosiveness. Yeah. Did he say well, – why did he slow down on that? He, he just, said he, he looked he, up too soon. Yeah. The, the oh, track okay. of ball. All right, all right. That's his fair. answer was he said he, he, he needs to get to the top of his route before he can look up, and he looked up too soon, and that's what slowed him down. 
Okay. That, that sounds uh, self-aware. So that's, that's good. Uh, could this game have gone any worse for Zach Ertz in the big picture? I mean, oh my gosh, geez, Dallas Goddard looked yeah. unbelievable in this game. I yeah. mean, he's re he looked like Travis Kelsey. He's running through tackles. He's making plays after the catch. He's getting vertical. He's adjusting on that 34 yard touchdown. And then Zach Ertz has to drop on fourth and three. I mean, this yeah. is really going to be an interesting situation to monitor. Uh, every week pretty much going forward a uh, lot of 12 personnel i mean my gosh more 12 personnel than any team in the league in week one i guess uh, i don't know i, don't yeah. know. I mean uh, yes, most of them were early. most of the wide receivers were there yeah they were healthy i mean i guess if i guess if alshon ever comes back you could talk yourself into you know alshon deshaun and rager on the field together but I don't yeah. get it. And I, I, I just want to clarify, I'm, I'm not like big <laughs> on 12 personnel from a football perspective. I'm big on it from like looking You're a reporter. At, no, I'm, I'm saying when you, when you look at yeah. your roster, you need to maximize the talent that you have. And for this team, the, the best way to use their talent is, is, is to go Ertz and Goddard. Uh, now, if, if they didn't keep Ertz, then, or if they were to trade Goddard, and if they kept Ertz and, and, and traded Goddard, I think long term, 11 personnel is probably better from a, a football perspective, from a speed perspective. But what you need to do is you need to look at, at the way your, your roster is assembled and maximize that. And I, I think the way to maximize this roster is to play more 12 personnel. I mean, I'm all for thinking know. out. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm all for thinking outside the box, but. There's literally not another team in the NFL who's playing 12 personnel like the Eagles are. And if you look well, at Cleveland it, Cleveland was, was up there. Yeah, they were second. Yeah, they were second. And they, I mean, but, but they, they had, had maybe the worst offensive showing. <laughs> you know, they had like, uh, I, I mean, I mean, they were playing 22 personnel at, at some points. They yeah. Were, so how yeah, about the Eagles? How about the Eagles showing that? Oh, one personnel. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. Uh, we have different definitions of fun, <laughs> I would uh, I would say. But yeah, 30 pass attempts out of two tight end sets, more than twice as many as any other quarterback for um, Carson Wentz. Okay, let's see. Did I have anything else in here? Slay was Slay. good. Yeah. Slay, was, Slay was very good. I've been hard yeah. on Slay. Slay yep. was fantastic. That, that one route early on where I think Terry McLaurin down the left sideline, I mean, he was all over him. So a uh, very encouraging sign. I would say Slay and Malik Jackson were the two and Josh sweat. Let's give a shout out to Zach mm. Zimmerman's boy. I mean, that was a, that was a heck of a rush there with the forced fumble. That could have been a huge play. If they would have recovered that ball, uh, Josh sweat would, would have been like the star of the game. Well, now it, it's true. But, um, what was very funny about that play was, uh, Josh sweat, like celebrating, like he had won the super bowl while the ball was still on the ground trying to be recovered. Oh, I, I love that. Guys I would, I would absolutely do that. If I were a defensive <laughs> end, listen, your job is to get the ball out and celebrate. If someone else recovers it, great. If not, uh, don't worry. You, you get that FF in the box score. You know, you, you can't be asked to do everything. I mean, come on. Okay. Life is short. So, celebrate those little victories. So, so, so Jim Schwartz was feeling himself a bit on, on Darius lay and, and, and so be it. Cause it, it you know, Slay played well, but and they did play. They played a lot of man. As, yeah. As so, and, and so when I asked Schwartz what he saw from Slay, my fear when I asked the question was Jim Schwartz was was going to say he had an 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 zero in one day, you know, because like <laughs> yeah. you know, that's because that's what he said in the past. Instead, Jim Schwartz, who who like 
will tell you all the time that the numbers are, are misleading and he'll bring up the time that like Bill Belichick put out, you know, um, a different personnel in the fourth quarter of a game just to throw the, the numbers. He says we had Darius Slay or, or, or he said we, we played man 50 snaps of the 60 plus snaps. They had 70 defensive snaps. If you, if you include penalties. So he said, we, we played man to man for 50 of those snaps. Slay was on McLaren for most of them. He only allowed two catches, not like, like he came prepared with the numbers or I don't, I don't know if he came prepared. They were on it on his mind at the time. Um, but he was, he was proud of the way that defense functioned with Slay. Uh, clearly he's been waiting for a player like this for a long time. Which by the way, I, I saw that quote from him and I thought, wait a minute, that, that seems that doesn't really pass the eye test or some of these charting sites. And it's very misleading because I mean, Washington ran the ball mm -hmm. 36 times. And so like they could have been man on a lot. Like it's not like <laughs> Darius funny. Slay was on Terry McLaurin for 50 snaps That's where they were, then limited him to one catch. I mean, he did a good job. Don't get me wrong, but I thought it was actually uh, a little bit more of, a, of an even split. And again, if the film ever comes out, I can <laughs> we can look at this and determine whether it was or not. But uh, I didn't think it was, you know, like 70% uh, or 80% man coverage. I thought it was a little bit more um, balanced than that. All right, let me see if I got anything else here. I think those are. How about T.Y. How about T.Y. No, I want to talk about T.Y. McGill getting Bo's defensive player of the week, Zach. <laughs> I mean, what did you? How about that? That was. I, we should have led with that on this podcast. Yeah. Wow. Talk about the on draft kings. If you would have bet yeah. before this game that T.Y. McGill was going to get Bo's defensive player of the week, that had to be like plus 4,000, 5,000. Well, it was such an uninspiring performance. I realized afterwards I probably should have just given it to Slay and, and then done my T.Y. McGill joke um, as of five thoughts. But, you know, I figure Slay's got better opportunities down the line. I thought Malik Jackson could have gotten it. Yeah. Yeah, I thought he I thought he was going to get it. I was surprised to see McGill uh, pop up there, but ple pleasantly uh, surprised because you're right. When's he When's he going to get the opportunity yeah, to get this course. award again? Yeah. So Malik Jackson had 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 a, a good answer for the way he played. Um, yeah, this was actually very funny. So uh, so Malik Jackson gave the reference during the summer that like you know he has to make up ground and remind people who he was. And so the, the question came up today. Do you think you did that? Well, and, let's let the question came up. You asked it. Yes. Yes. But um, and, and so Malik Jackson was like, nobody else is remembering exact quotes that he said, you know, a month and a half ago. So Malik Jackson was 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 like, well, I played the way I'm supposed to. The guy who was blocking me was was like in his like first start or second start. Oh, yeah, he's good. basically like, yeah, I took advantage of a real yeah. slappy. Like, let's yeah, see what he's happens. Like, he's like, that's what I'm supposed to do out there. Uh, I guess that, um, well, well, he said two weeks from now or, 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 you know, he says he hopes he does well in his matchup this week, but he says like two weeks from now, three weeks from now, I, I hope I will uh, answer those questions then. So I, I don't know if that was in reference to someone coming up on their schedule or if if that's just over like uh, a larger sample size but basically he he wasn't like taking credit yeah he just threw west played. martin completely well he basically did to west martin verbally yes. what he did to him <laughs> during the game he's like west, he's basically saying west martin shouldn't be able to block me <laughs> honestly if you're a defensive tackle and you can play like that against average to below average guards you're gonna have a pretty you know for most of the season you're probably gonna yeah be that's in, true 
good shape because, uh, you know, it's either you or Fletcher Cox against that guy. And so one of you should be able to take advantage. All and right. That goes to Shield's point last week. I, I think it was Shield. It might, it might have been Bo, but I think Shield that uh, Fletcher Cox was 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 going to hit Malik Jackson on the, yeah. on, on the butt and say, I think I said butt cheek. Yeah, I think I said butt cheek. Yes. Very specific. <laughs> always good. Always good to be specific in your writing. Well, I know that the term butt cheek gets said about 7,000 times a day in the Capadia household between, you <laughs> know, sounds like a fun place. I can't say I didn't put it in the kids' heads and then they say it and I have to tell them to stop. But then they're like, well, you say it. And I'm like, well, listen, I don't know where to go with this. I'm new to this yeah. parenting thing. All right. Let us get to the, do we want to do the questions now or do we want to save them for Friday? Why don't we save them for Friday? Oh, okay. Sounds right. good. I mean, I'm happy to, I'm happy you know, to do something. You're the last person who I would have expected. Yeah, to no, I'm I think happy to, no. no, I, I, I didn't want to keep Marissa too long. No, I like that. Friday is when we get a little loopy, you know, so you can get more We're questions We're going to be live in. on YouTube. We're going to be live on YouTube. Yeah, so I, I like that. Let's not rush through them. Uh, but, but, Bo, we do need to get your golf picks because it mm. starts tomorrow, right? The U.S. Open. Starts so tomorrow, yeah. I'm going to log into DraftKings as soon as this podcast is over. And who am I putting a little? So for those who don't know, you know, the reason I have only gambled on golf once and it was, uh, what was it? The PGA? Yeah. Yeah. And it was the PGA. And I didn't realize how fun this is because you just take these guys with unbelievable odds. You take them before the tournament. If they're in the running, you get to watch on Sunday. It's really fun. If they're not in the running, Bo has to say, you know, he didn't do this last time, unfortunately. It cost me some money, but, uh, you know, he can send no, me a I sent text. You the, I sent you the Saturday night text. Okay, yeah. I mean, I could have used that Saturday morning, but, uh, you know, it, it is what it is, as the athletes like to say. So then you can <laughs> rejoin the field on a Saturday or Sunday. So you can play. Oh, yeah. Money. You can do it's it after little, every round. Yeah, yeah, you don't have to place a lot of money. You can play small Sportsbook. wagers uh, with big payoffs. So that's why I, uh, I really enjoyed it, and I was watching it with uh, – Naya and you know I said we don't like that guy we really like these guys she didn't need to know why and she just uh, was getting totally into it so it was a lot of fun so Bo what do we got to finish off the pot well let me tell you Sheil, uh the U.S. Open is at uh, Wingfoot which is not far from uh, where I grew up or not oh. grew up but moved to okay and and we like to talk about uh, you know my weird past jobs 2006, the last time the U.S. Open was at Wingfoot, Bo Wolf, a merchandise tent intern, oh, about, about two months. What a flex! So, uh, you know, I know the course quite well. I got to play oh, it one time. Is this like, in, this like insider over. trading? I feel like. Well, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> uh, and I, and really, the the big story when I worked at the merchandise tent was, uh, you know, what they do is they they sell the shirts. Um, that Tiger Woods is going to wear for the weekend. You know, his, his four shirts are scripted by Nike. And it was very, uh, they had this sort of flower print shirt that he was going to wear on Sunday. It was sort of a, uh, a departure from the classic red Nike. And uh, they were worried that it wasn't going to sell very well. And it also just so happened to be the one major in like 10 years that Tiger Woods missed the cut. So mm. not so the sales went like through uh, through the floor. Nobody bought the shirt. So that so was. Do you a, have that some that we deal. can give to listeners and give to? I me? don't believe I have any, but I do. We still we have a, a U.S. Open Wingfoot uh, blanket that we still use on okay. the couch. In out the of uh, out of curiosity, any uh, any Perkins restaurants near your hometown? Mm, good question. Uh, no, and mm. uh, I think if he had stuck or st- stayed around for the weekend, he might have looked for you know a local Applebee's or or something like that. But uh, no Perkins. In okay. the Mamaroneck era. 
Uh, so I didn't get to watch much of the tournament. I was working, but uh, that was a fun one. I think the thing you got to know about the U.S. Open Shield, it's the, this is the, the tournament where it's really about uh, sort of carnage. They want the golfers to really struggle. You'll see mm. scores uh, closer to over par. Um, and so I like a guy, I like a guy who, you know, give me like a masochist, especially they, they're really worried about this wing foot course, uh, very tight fairways, very penal rough and, uh, no crowd to stamp down the rough. We need to bleep that out later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't familiar with that reference. Um, uh, so I like a guy Good who can listening. handle some carnage. Uh, so let me give you, I'll give you a couple picks. Is that okay? Yeah, no, I, I would okay. like, like, uh, I would like three, I would like to wager on three guys before the tournament. Can you do okay. that? I'll give you, I'll give you your choice of one at the top, one of two at the top. Uh, I think Justin Thomas at, at plus 1400, you are not going to get much better odds than that on uh, Justin Thomas at a major. So I think if you like Justin Thomas, you want to root for him? Go for that. What's Otherwise, he British? Is he British? No, he's American. Okay. Right. Um, and I do. I don't give say, me. A, I, don't give I, me any Brits, please. I feel like I have. Okay, no Fleetwood for you then. Uh, I feel yeah, like I have I like a, a, a bit less of a feel for this tournament than I did for the PGA. Mm. Uh, I like Xander Shoffley at plus fifteen hundred. Not great odds, but I do like him this week. And then my uh, my longer shots for you. Uh, I like Adam Scott at plus four thousand. And then. Hmm. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you three more, just so you can pick what you want. What was okay. my What was my guy Colin? What was Colin his name? Morikawa? He, yeah, he won. No, 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 no. Sorry, not. Uh, there was another another young guy who was Cantlay. Patrick Patrick Cantlay. No, no. Oh. A young guy who was in the mix. Uh, Matthew his, Wolf. His grandfather was black. Oh, Cameron got, Champ. Yeah. Cameron Champ, How about yeah. a Cameron Champ? Does he well, have I a chance in here? Champ. I like the Cameron Champ. Not a, uh, not a great course setup for him. Okay. Uh, right. Hits the ball a mile, does not yeah. hit it straight. I might throw, I like him. throw $10 down on um, Cameron Champ. I like the idea of uh, Morikawa, the young gun, wins the PGA. What? Re no, yeah. no, 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 oh, no, no, okay. no, no. And another one of the young guns backs it up. Mm, and okay. it becomes the, you know, the rise of the young guns. Mm, and the like two guys this. who could do that are Victor Hovland at plus 6,000 and Matthew Wolf at, at plus 8,000. Wolf, not a great course setup for him. That's why he's longer odds. So I like Hovland. And then my real long shot, if you want to throw like a, uh, you know, five bucks on it, Henrik Stenson for plus 16,000. Wow, plus eight. That's why I love plus sixteen thousand. All right, so you get. I feel like you said like twelve names there. Yeah, but you know what are you gonna do? So let let's narrow it it down by sort of really quickly from the the long shot. Uh, give me the give me the three ones you feel best about. I like Hovland at plus six thousand. Okay. Scott at plus four thousand. Okay. And uh, Justin Thomas, you said right? Yeah, if you want to take a favorite, but. You know, you can. You're going to have more chances to bet on Justin Thomas, I guess. Okay. I think right. I think Thomas is worth it if you want to put like a, a spicier bet, because I think if he starts to play well, his odds are going to get much smaller. Okay, so Thomas, Hovland, and Scott. Those are the three. Yeah, and you know, throw two bucks on Henrik Stenson. And two bucks on Henrik Stenson. There you go. I'm excited. I'm juice. Is this like uh, where are they, they going to be morning tea times? Like when does this start? Oh yeah, they start at uh, and, I want to say like six fifty tomorrow. And so. golf is so weird. Like they don't show all this, right? Or are they going to show it live? Golf Channel starting tomorrow. Yeah, oh, I think man. it's. I think most of the day is live. Okay. All right. Well, on Golf I, Channel. 
I don't know if anyone else enjoyed that segment, but I sure did. I, I well, know. Listen, I, we, you know, I don't know Dr. if you, people Tom, have been following DFOP, on Twitter. Dr. Tom enjoys the Athletics expanding its golf coverage, and what they primarily meant is this podcast. Uh, they did, but also I would say one of the best writers at the Athletic, Brendan no Quinn, Philly Zone, and Birds with Friends listener, uh, I believe, will be writing about. He's on the scene. Yeah, so if you're into golf, uh, I should have actually I should have given him some uh, some dinner recommendations. That's a oh. that's a drop by me. I'm gonna uh, message him now. Well, I don't know. Can he go out to dinner? Well, like, not tonight, we are still but maybe tomorrow middle, night. We're in yeah. the middle of a pandemic still, Bo. I don't like know. An, no, pick up. He can pick up. Oh, pick up. Okay. I thought yeah, you were gonna tell I'm him you were him get, to go somewhere. Yeah. I thought you were to give him some tips. I'm like, I think he's no, got. I'm, he's gonna got go to, I'm gonna tell him to go to Sal's Pizza. Okay. All right. Zach's board. Uh, Marissa's board. Okay. But I appreciate it. All right. So that will do it for this episode of Birds with Friends. Friday, 1130, live on YouTube. Get out of what other work obligations you have, whatever else you have. Tune in. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Rate, review, subscribe, unsubscribe. Even though Bo tells you to unsubscribe and then not resubscribe, I'm telling you to unsubscribe, resubscribe. Get us up there in the charts. Good catching up with everyone. Don't want to say I enjoyed this, but uh, it wasn't the worst thing I'll do all week. So, with Bo Wolf, Zach Berman, Marissa Morris, I'm Shil Kapadia. Thank you for listening, and we will see you on YouTube on Friday morning. Love you.